Bounces away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. Tonight, I'm joined by Chris Waring, Daniel Friend, and Kieran Gibson. Chris, lovely to have your company this week after our second Tigers win in a row. You must be stoked. Top of the world, man. I'm a bit, a bit scared about this feeling, but just got to ride the roller coaster while it lasts. <laughs> uh, Kieran Gibson, uh, Cowboys, another convincing victory. Happy days for you, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, looks like we could maybe make something of a season, but a bit similar with Chris. I don't know uh, how to feel just yet. <laughs> and Daniel Friend, not so happy with, with the Knights, of course, but you are happy because your bold prediction came up last week, of course. Talk us through it. How'd you go? Yeah, that got up. It, um, if we want to count it properly, it got up four times. <laughs> so mathematically, um, yeah, for those boffins out there, the, the Storm put on an absolute clinic. Uh, after the first three games, that I mentioned I needed uh, Melbourne to win by 15 or more, and they just happened to win by 60. Yes, yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to give you four separate bold victories for that, but I am very, very impressed that it came off as well as it did. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Let's jump into some wildcard awards. I'll kick us off. Um, I've got the Noel Cleal Award for Shittest Dropkick, and it goes to Jai Arrow. Just an absolute speculator from the edge back row, dirty skewing off to the left of the post and dead uh, to give the Tigers a vital seven tackle set. It was, uh, I'm sure Chris, as a Tigers fan, you'd, you'd agree, it was it was a thing of beauty um, <laughs> seeing seeing that field goal skew off that way. The Rabbitohs completely butchering their uh, their chance to pull ahead and the and the Tigers pulled through. So uh the Noel Cleal Award for Shittest Drop Kick goes to Jai Arrow for me. Chris Did the Tigers score off the next set? Yeah, I think it was, wasn't it, Chris? It was like they, uh, they worked their way down for the field goal, is that right? Yeah, I think it was the field goal Of course it went dead. Molly grabbed it into the, the back of the fence. I was half expecting a Braithen Master slash Kurt Capel moment, but yeah, <laughs> ab- absolute shocker from Jai Arrow. <laughs> uh actually yeah, good memories of the Braithen Aster one, wasn't it? Um and- yeah, great. <laughs> Chris, what's your wildcard award this week? All right, I've gone the Fidel Castro Award. It's history will <laughs> absolve me. History in this point is a couple of weeks later, so shout out to Todd Payton and Justin Holbrook. What I'm referencing is the Daniel Tupo absolute clothes hanger. Mm. And, I, again, I thought Todd Payton and Justin Holbrook raised a good point, possibly coming from a bias from a Tigers fan who's been shit for the last decade. But <laughs> I think swap the teams in that situation, say, bar Rory Hargreaves or... Victor Radley, I think if that was a Dragons player, I think they'll go straight to the bin. I think there is a double standards, uh, as the two coaches mentioned, about obviously good teams uh, that, you know, they get the benefit of the doubt or they, it's merely accidents and not uh, reckless, whereas bad teams, it's intentional foul play because they're bad. Friendly, if I can just pick your brain on this one, uh, do you agree Tupo should have been in the bin? Yeah, he should have been binned, no doubt. Uh, could have been a send-off, to be honest, in a different Different time or different game or, yeah, um, I've, I've seen lesser offence definitely go to the bin, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think back to, uh, Kieran, you'd remember this one, Lachlan Burr uh, accidentally getting Tedesco in the head and getting sent uh, in, like in last year's crackdown. Kieran, do you think it should have been at least a sin bin for Daniel Tupo? 
Yeah, definitely. And I, I think Peyton and, and Holbrook, as uh, Chris said, they're, they're, they're definitely right. There's something going on there with top teams getting uh, a bit more of the upper hand with calls. But also the, the bunker looked at that um, tackle and they still still saw nothing wrong with it. Like he only gets his head – like you could argue the first contact is with the arm and then it goes and hits his head. But Ravalawa's arm is just as high as his head. Like he was only ever going to collect his head. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so pretty much the only people that thought it was not a sin bitable offence were uh, the the on-field referee. I think it was Adam G, uh, the bunker, and Paul Crawley on Adderall 360. That was that was a hell of a, a, a hill to die on. <laughs> it then answers your question, doesn't it, if Crawley's arguing that point? <laughs> Kieran, what's your wildcard award this week? The Scott living by his last name, Drinkwater, who has seemed to have sobered up and, and found some electric form of late, although he wasn't playing earlier in the season. Uh, his last three games for the Cowboys. He's only played three games, um, and he's just been awesome for us. Involved in three tries on the weekend, and I thought he was the difference maker. Yeah, indeed. And I think we'll talk about him more in a, in a moment. Friendy, what's your wildcard award this week? My wildcard award this week, Bo, is the Where Did My Hair Go award, and it goes to Nathan Brown. Uh, <laughs> so as a player, he lost to the Storm 70-10, to 10, and he's now had the same result put on him by the same side as a coach. And before the game, I don't know if I was looking at old pictures or what, but he had a long, flowing, full head of hair. Mm-hmm. All gone by full time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was uh, my award for Brownie this week. Yeah, the uh, the cruel march of time, wasn't it? And 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 a, a weird case of deja vu for Brownie. I'm not sure if he felt the need to go down and slap any of his players, though, like the old days. Let's talk about what we learned last week. I might start off with what I learned, which was that after that very super impressive first half from uh, CSC Vitalikai in the centres against the Sea Eagles, where he basically created 32 points in the first half, I learned that he's eligible for the Blues. And I also learned that Jeremiah, Jeremiah Nanai last week uh, announced that he was eligible for the Maroons. He had the choice between the Maroons and New Zealand, and he chose the Maroons. Um, and I got to thinking, should either of those states, the Blues with Talakai, or the Maroons with Nanai, should either of those states pick those players in Origin 1? Now, obviously, I understand Origin 1's a few weeks away, but assuming that Mitchell is out, I'd be looking at Talakai for left centre. It'd be him or Crichton for me, I think. And for the Maroons, I don't think I'd be going with Jeremiah Nanai. I've got a few concerns with him being a bit inconsistent, but I'm curious to see what you guys think. Kieran, would you be looking at Talakai or Nanai for the Blues or Maroons? Uh, I land the exact same way as you, Bo. I, I think Talakai is definitely a, a good look um, for the, or could be a good look for the Blues at left centre there. And Nanai, I agree uh, on his inconsistency. I, I think uh, he goes missing from time to time in games, and even Peyton has touched on it in his press conferences. He's actually tried to get Luciana Lelua up to the Cowboys about three or four times early before his contract actually starts next year, and I think it's because he, he wants a bit more experience rather than Nanai, or maybe not rather than Nanai, but to help Nanai. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friendy, what, what do you think about that one? As a as a Blues fan, we did talk about potential uh, selections for them uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. But do you like the look of Talakai as a, as a left centre option? Yeah, I certainly do. I'd still probably have Matt Burton as the front runner, just because of that combination with Cleary and Luai. And I think he's absolute class, uh, Burton, and he'll be a rep player for a long time. However, the one thing I like about Talakai, it's easy to get sucked in with all the um, the flashy tries and running over people and all that stuff. The one thing I do like is his carries out of yardage are outstanding. And Origin, as we know, is a running game. 
Um, it's a really heavily position and possession based game. And if he could offer that out of our end for the Blues, um, I think it really puts him in the frame for that position. And he's also got good enough footwork and pace uh, to make a difference yep. as well at the other end of the field, like when he comes to scoring, as he proved against poor old Morgan Harper. Uh, Chris, yep. you're a Blues fan. Uh, Talakai in the mix for you? Yeah, I think he's definitely there and abouts. Um, Yusuf Al's definitely have an abundance of choices at centre. I-, I worry a bit about his speed in defence, especially if he's next to, say, Jerome Luai in the defensive line. He's not the greatest defender, but he's definitely earned the right to be, you know, there and thereabouts. Chris, while I've got you, what did you learn last week, I suppose? Uh, yeah, it's not specifically, it's more like a, a story that develops with each passing week. Um, I think the Dolphins, you can pretty much write them off for next year. Um, they signed Sean, O'Sull- uh, Sean O'Sullivan, who's at the Panthers at the moment. Obviously, you know, I think he's a serviceable first grade quality halfback, but, um, I think as each week goes by, they're missing that quote unquote marquee player that they've been quoted in several, uh, in several media outlets to be seeking. I guess the only one left is probably Cameron Munster. Mm-hmm. I do have a sneaky feeling that they will get Reese Walsh. I don't think he, I don't think his career is going to last, um, much longer at the Warriors, to be honest, because mm-hmm. that's where careers go to die. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I think for future planning, because obviously the NRLs, we're looking at, um, obviously further expansion. I think new teams probably need the two years for recruitment. Obviously that might create some chaos in terms of, you know, when they're, they're talking to players, et cetera. But yeah, I don't think the, Dol- the Dolphins are, even with Wayne Bennett, I don't think they're going to be much trouble next year. I think if, if careers are, or if you go to the Warriors, that's where careers die. I think Granville should be sent there ASAP. Um, but otherwise, <laughs> Otherwise, I uh, I think Monsters, you got to throw quite a bit at him because I think, I don't know, just looking at it, I don't know how much longer Wayne Bennett has as a coach. It could be a, not a failed venture. Um, I'm sure the Dolphins will, well, I mean, who knows how long they could go without a premiership if they don't win one without, without Wayne Bennett there. If they don't win one while he's there, I should say. Yeah, they are. they're a financially well-off club, but it won't mean a great deal if you can't get people through the gates because your team sucks. Um, Friendy, I'm, I'm probably a little bit concerned, if I can just bring you into it a bit, Friendy. If um, we're talking about Munster and like, well, they might get Munster, they might get Munster. Munster isn't available until this until 2024. So, mm-hmm. either way, it, it does look like a tough old time for the Dolphins, don't you think? Yeah, it will be tough. I think they'll get Reese Walsh. I think he wants to sort of stay in that area. The Warriors will go back to New Zealand at the end of this year, I think, um, which is a bit of a kick in the face for Nathan Brown, who took a punt on him and basically played him in first grade straight away. Um, probably one of the reasons they let Roger Tuovasa-Shek go. Um, yeah, so I think they'll land Walsh. Whether they get Munster or not, I'm not too sure. But does it count for Wayne Bennett non-tampering or whatever that clause is where you can't actually speak to a player from another club before November? Because technically they're not a club at the moment. So can he just speak to whoever he wants? That's a good question. I'd have to ask. Uh, I'd have to ask Graham Annesley about that one. But uh, yeah, because <laughs> I'm wondering. Yeah, well, I'm wondering how all these conversations and like, like, how did he? I don't know. How did he sit down with Kalen? How is he talking to Cameron Munster? How is all this stuff happening if um, other clubs aren't allowed to do it? That's a bit of a loophole that the old wily old fox is uh, exploiting, and he's doing it. I guess well, but he needs to sign some more players, doesn't he? Well, now that you've got a bit of an in with Gus Gould getting on getting on six tackles with Gus with one of your questions, you should probably <laughs> put that one to Gus. That's a good one. Yeah, I'll ask him when I'm in uh, Matt Thompson's chair next week. <laughs> I think he's not blocked already on Twitter. 
<laughs> Chris, uh, that sounds like you're blocked on Twitter. Is that correct? Uh, not yet. It would be a good kind of fan, but maybe soon. <laughs> um, Friendy, what did you learn last week? I learned last week that my Mighty Knights are in serious trouble. Uh, we've lost five on the bounce. We've got Melbourne this week. Um, we don't seem to be producing any standout juniors or not any of age to sort of play first grade just yet. Uh, two of our best players, Brayley Gagai, injured. Our star player, Caelan Ponga, he's hardly influencing any results. Um, Mitch Barnett was weirdly released. I don't know what that's about. Um, apart from Frizzell, uh, I'm pretty like our forward pack looks slow. Um, they don't move laterally all that well. And to be honest, I'm not sure um, the Safidi boys, and I hate to say it because I really like them, I'm not sure they're having a go. So I think that's one of the worst things you can ask of a footballer or question them about um, is their desire around actually trying. And, yeah, I've got real concerns about the coach and the whole whole squad at the moment. Um, It's pretty grim for my boys. So is it uh, it time to start panicking as a Knights fan or the Knights organisation, I suppose? Um, Yeah, I... Not really one for panic myself. Like, I mean, you've just got to work a way out of it. I don't think panicking is going to help anything. Um, but, yeah, they, they'd certainly be a bit concerned, that's for sure. Well, I'm, what I'm kind of worried about is, well, Barnett, he, you say he was released, but is that for the end of the year? Mm. Like, he's still... He's still- so, he's still here to mm. the end of the year, yeah. But he's been released early from his contract to, to leave and go play for our former coach, which to me screams that our coach is off him or he's off our coach now and he wants to go play under Brownie again. So um, I could really understand many players, if Adam O'Brien rubbed them up the wrong way, because sometimes he seems to rub me up the wrong way and I don't even know the bloke personally. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty concerning. We're now second last or third last or something. And, yeah, it's... Um, what looked like a, a decent start to the season, we're going to be battling to even contest for the eight, to be honest. Yeah, I, I remember, you know, a fair bit of enthusiasm from a lot of us at the start of the season, about round three, I think. And, and it was round three when Barnett decided to take out, I think it was Chris Smith um, from the Panthers. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the rest has been a pretty steep decline since then. I'm, I'm not saying it's all Barnett's think- fault, but there's a lot no. going wrong. Yeah, I think um, just on that, a, a lot of teams you see throughout um, oh, the last 20, 30 years, you can get teams that bounce out and win one or two or three games like coming out of the blocks. And basically all they do is just hold the ball more than the other side. And then once the other sides, their attack starts to click after a month or so of footy, the actual better players come to the fore and, and the better teams do as well. So I think we may have got luck lucky knocking off someone like the Roosters in round one and um, we won the week after that. But apart from that, it's been pretty dismal. Outside looking in, I'm looking at the amount of experienced players they have. They have a really good forward pack, but it just feels like they're not winning enough battles in that area. So, uh, you know, I can understand that pain. Uh, being, <laughs> being a Cowboys fan, I'm, I'm well aware of dealing with pain in recent years. And, and speaking of that, Kieran, we have... Um, we have probably, for the first time in a long time, a, a good headache. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, the fullback uh, dilemma we're talking about and um, between Hamiso and Drinkwater, I think it's a very good debate and I still am not 100% sure I've gone the right way. 
Um, but on the evidence of the last three weeks, um, I think it's fair to say Drinkwater should be the Cowboys' fullback. Um, he looked dangerous with every single touch against the Titans, and his solo try was brilliant. Uh, and, and I think the other reason, not just his form this season, but the, the main, probably the main reason that I think Drinkwater has to be the starting fullback is the, um, the, the playmaking threat that he poses as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, over, over Hammer, especially, I don't think Hammer has that kicking game or that passing game. So, um, the value that Drinkwater offers in both scoring tries and setting them up, he had a hand in three of our tries against the Titans, scoring one, assisting two. Uh, so he's yeah, he just has a better um, output in attack over Hammer, which clinches it for me. And I think Hammer also goes missing um, from time to time in games, where I think Drinkwater is a isn't afraid um, to pop up at any moment and chance his arm to try and win the game, which can go wrong, especially when you're in a side that's not doing as well. But uh, I love it, and um, his attacking prowess has paid off for us so far this season. Where would I play Hammer then? Um, I think I would probably put him. On the wing, who misses out there? I'm not too sure. Um, if it's, I, I would probably lean towards Felt, uh, but wow. I, I can't see that. Yeah, I can't see that happening. But um, yeah, it, it won't happen. I'll just say I don't think it will. He's a, a, a Townsville boy, is uh, born and bred, as far as I know. Um, he has been better this season, but I don't think his time is up. I just wouldn't mind it for a bit of a shake-up. It, it, obviously, Drinkwater being dropped really helped him spark into his best form when he came back into the side. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Um, otherwise, I think one of them has to go to the bench and then Granville drops off the bench. Um, and then, yeah, they, they either hammer or Drinkwater comes off the bench and they uh, spark the attack. I've heard the Dolphins are looking for players, so I'd be pretty keen for Jakey to head <laughs> down there if he wanted. Um I am curious about that because the Cowboys, one thing they've done really well this year and better than most teams is defense. They're actually really nailing their defense. And a big reason for that, I mentioned that Jeremiah Nanai is a bit inconsistent. He he can be a bit inconsistent in defense with his decision-making and things like that. Now, he's at right the edge back row. So, next to him, you've got Townsend, Hiku, and Felt. And I think that threesome there... Well, phrasing um, that, that those three players there are helping Nanai a lot, um, and I, I think it's the best that Felt's played for a long time. It's a harsh call, and it's a good problem to have. I'd be looking at, yeah, I'd be looking at the wing as well. But I think Talangi, I think Talangi misses out. Um, but I do think that Todd Payton will most likely bring Hammerso back when he is at full fitness, and Drinkwater either drops fully out or goes to the bench, which I. Th- think is the way that he will go it's a little bit i guess not off topic but if they play tabio afido on the wing say for Taolangi, which i think is probably the logical option um and holmes stays at center then they get to origin holmes does his best work on the wing at origin level and tabio afido played center last year do they end up swapping or do they stay the same or what happens there well, I think if, if you if you did a straight swap with Tao Lungi, uh, Tao Lungi is a left winger right next to Holmes. So if that combination mm. works, I mean, whatever combination they go with at club level, I think you would just uh, it'd be crazy to change that at, at Origin level, but just for yeah. the sake of a straight swap, would you? Like, I think Holmes can still mm. do plenty of damage out of backfield from center. Like, there's no reason why he can't. Like, like you mentioned, Talakai does. So 
Uh, personally, I would keep Holmes the way he is, and I'd move Hamaso to wing. And if Origin comes around and they they go that way, I'd I'd agree with that. I think the Cowboys play a, a bit of a dangerous game if they take out Drinkwater from fullback. I think the depth of playmaking that you have with him there, and I, uh, I think they need that. And on top of that, I think um, the Hammer. I, I would think I'd be interested to see the Cowboys use the Hammer. Um, I don't think it will happen, but in like a Tom Javorovich way in Origin, we'll have him float around the back line a bit, essentially as like a fourth receiver or like um, like a second fullback in the back line. But again, I, I would probably move Holmes. Even though he's been good, I'd probably move him to the wing, but I, I don't see a world where that happens. And now it's time for... Phen- Gee, I hate this word. Phenom- phenomenal. 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 Phenomenal trivia. I've got three questions. I've got one that is about this year, one that's kind of a a history general knowledge question, and then one that is a who am I. So can I test your buzzer, please, Friendy? Friendy. And Chris? Chris. And Kieran. Ooga booga. Ooga booga. Ooga booga. Aaron. Are you actually going to use Ooga booga? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I'm allowed, yeah. yeah, go on. Yeah, go on. You can use it if you want to. Okay, so we've got Friendy, Chris, and Ooga Booga. <laughs> so, question one pertaining to this season. Three players have kicked two 40-20s this year. Name one of those players. Chris. Or, I th- it was close. I think it was just Chris. Uh, Daily Cherry Evans. Is not one of the three players. So who's next? Friendy. Friendy. Ben Hunt. Ben Hunt is one of the players. That's correct. Oh, I was yeah. say Ben Hunt. Yeah, he, he. I think he kicked one on the weekend. He must have kicked one earlier in the season. Um, Kieran, while you're there, do you want to have a guess at one of the other two? Well, just just for the sake of it. Um, I'll give you a clue. It's one of your favourite players, and he does not play in the halves. I'm Tracy. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Reed Marnie. Reed Money uh, from W Half and Chanel Chanel Harris Tavita are the uh, is the other one. So they've each kicked two forty twenty. So Friendy is one nil up at the moment. The next question is a kind of a history one, but it's like yeah, I, I, I'll see how you guys go. Who is the youngest player to ever play men's state of origin? Friendy, Friendy, Israel Folau. It is not Israel Folau. He's not the youngest. Oh. Oh, it's the other Chris. one. Chris. Oh, is it Darren Lockyer? It's not Darren Lockyer. So, Kieran, you get a free crack at this one. Who is the youngest player to ever play men's state of origin? I've got two in mind. Obviously, Friendy definitely knows it. Yeah. Uh, I'll say Jared Hayne. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Jared Hayne. Friendy, the answer is? Ben Eichen. It is Ben Eichen. So, uh, Ben Eichen, oh, he was... Who I had. 18 years and 83 days, uh, and Friendy, you'd know what year it was too. Yeah, 95? 95, yeah, game one, 1995. So it's still 1-0 to you, Friendy, uh, but you do I even know that um, he was in the um, elevator in the team hotel, and Fatty Vorton thought he was asking him for an autograph. Fatty was his coach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was was an unknown kid from uh, the Gold Coast uh, Seagulls, yep. I suppose it would have been, the Gold Coast Seagulls in 1995. Uh, and he was picked on the bench for three games for Queensland at the age of 18. And it turned out to be a fairly decent player and uh, media pundit, Benny Eichen. And now he's like, what, what is he now at the Broncos? Some sort of 
like head of football kind of role, director of football or something. Um, Rides the biggest Bronco. Rides the biggest Bronco. Rides Buck around after a try. Uh, okay, the last question. Brenda, you are 1-0 in front, so it's still open to the other guys. Here we go. Who am I? I was born 14th of January, 1982 in Malabar, New South Wales. To parents Petros and Kim. I played NRL from 2000 to 2014 for three clubs, playing 288 games, so I'm not a mug. I also represented New South Wales and Australia, as well as Chris. Is it Braith and Nasta? Oh, it's Braith and Nasta! (laughs) Googled that. That was the Greek name. Petros. It's actually it? Yeah, it is. It is Braith and Nasta. It is Braith yeah. and Nasta. I'll, I'll read the rest of it. Uh, it. He represented New South Wales and Australia and one other country. That was Greece, who he scored 46 points for in one game. Uh, four tries and 15 goals and a 90-0 victory against Hungary or something. Uh, he was a South junior with a famous South family connection. Uh, he has won a premiership as a player in 2004. The last name I used throughout my career is not my true last name. He played predominantly at 5'8 or lock. Across his career as a player and later as a commentator, he became an expert at, at identifying overlaps on the left-hand side. Uh, he, he, played, he played the NRL for the Bulldogs, Roosters, and Tigers. His true last name is Anastasakis. 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 Yeah, uh, my mate's cousin. Oh, really? Oh, well, you didn't get yep. it early enough. Sorry, Friendy. So the score is one all with Chris and Friendy, which means we need a tiebreaker. And I have one prepared. Sorry, Kieran, you're going to have to sit this one out this week. Chris and Friendy, first one in gets first crack, uh, and then the other person gets a crack because it's a number closest to the pin. Reese Wesser has scored the most tries for the Penrith Panthers in their history. How many did he score? Um, yeah, friendy. Go on, friendy. Um, 117. 117. Chris, what do you reckon? Uh, I'll go 128. 128. You're actually really close to his career tries, but the answer is 113. So, friendy, you are the winner of Phenomenal Trivia. Congratulations. Clap, clap, clap. Phenomenal work there. Friendy, phenomenal. Well done, Friendy. Friendy, Friendy again. Uh, the, so, we said the top try score for the Panthers is 113. Girdler has 112. Brandy Alexander has 100. And Wesser did score a further 16 tries with the Rabbitohs to make 129. Very close to your answer, Chris. But alas, Friendy, you are victorious again. Oh, but can I just say? Go ahead. I'm very disappointed that that final answer wasn't also to do with NRL 360. It should have been about Paul Kent. That was third one. We had, we had Ben Eichen, Braith and Asta. Need to be put ah, It is literally how I came up with Braith and Asta um, after the Ben Eichen <laughs> question. So uh, I, I see what you're put, well, putting down. Thank God it wasn't a Paul Crawley answer. <laughs> how many things has Paul Crawley ever gotten right? Uh, <laughs> zero. Correct. Um, okay, let's, <laughs> let's, do, let's do about round eight. Uh, the first game is on Thursday night. At 7.50 from Suncorp Stadium, it is the Broncos against the Inform Cronulla Sharks. The Broncos are 1-17, to while the Sharks welcome back Del Finucane at lock. 
with a sneaky little Wade Graham amongst their reserves. Kieran, who's going to win and why? Well, I didn't realize Wade Graham could return. Uh, I think the Broncos will be right up for this one, though. And other than the Melbourne game um, and the latter stages of their match last week, I don't think the Sharks have been tested for a while. Uh, so I can see it being close, but I have the Sharks as Adam Reynolds will need a, a 9 or a 10 out of 10 game and, and the rest of the Broncos squad will have to aim up with him to have any chance. Yeah, I think that's. I think I'm going to go for the Sharks as well. Yeah, Sharks for me. I reckon they'll put on a bit of a clinic. Yeah, Sharks as well. I think Broncos is still you know a bit away. The next game is from Seabus Super Stadium on Friday afternoon at 6 p.m. It's the Titans and the Panthers. Now AJ Brimson has been moved to fullback with Will Smith getting slapped into the 5/8 position. The Panthers are unchanged. Chris, who is going to win this game and why? Duh, Panthers by probably about. 30, I reckon. Titans have been disappointing. I don't mind. I actually like Brinson going back to fullback, but and um, but yeah, I don't give Titans much of a chance, especially after last week. They were, they were quite poor, to be honest. I think Panthers will put a score on them. So, Jaden Campbell played reserve grade last week. Chris, while I've got you, do you think when he's back of, like, you know, fully fit or whatever, do you think you'd like to see him go back to fullback and Brinson to 5'8", or maybe leave it as it is right now? Yeah, I don't know. It's a tough one. They've got a bit of a logjam. I'm not convinced by – I think that they're, they're just trying to make shift Brimson into a 5-8. Obviously, Campbell had a lot of promise, but um, the Titans need to do something. But they're quite disappointing, to be honest. Uh, I would, Yeah, it's a bit of a tough one. I, I would probably stick Brimson at fullback, but then Will Smith, you know, he's a, he's a good player, but I don't think he's a starting half in the NRL. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure what to do for the Titans. They're in a bit of, a, bit, bit of trouble. Yeah, I think so too. I had them in the top eight at the start of the year, but I'm I'm second guessing that at the moment. I'm going to go for the Panthers as well. Yeah, the Panthers. Panthers by many. Panthers by many. I, I tend to agree. The next game on a Friday night, a bit more of a blockbuster. It is uh, the Rabbitohs and Seagulls from Central Coast Stadium, actually, uh, at 7.55 p.m. Uh, the team news, the Rabbitohs have Tass and Havili in, and the Seagulls are welcoming back to Pau and Kepi with Josh Schuster named amongst the reserves. Friendy, who will win and why? And are you going to the game? Yeah, home game for me. Uh, not sure. I'll probably decide on the day. Um, I think it's supposed to be 27 and sunny, so it could be a, a good night to go to the footy, actually. But yeah, I'll be tipping South Sydney. I just think they're that little bit more consistent, and I think they stay in for games longer. So I'd rather have their middles at the moment than Manly's. They're also missing Olakowatu, who Cherry Evans seems to um, find regularly on the line, so he'll be missing that connection there. So, yeah, South for me. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a close one for me. I think I'm uh, – they've both been kind of underwhelming, haven't they? So I'm probably going to go with mm. probably going to go with the Rabbitohs just. Yeah, it's a tough game to tip. I'm going to go the Rabbitohs despite Martin DePauw being back. I think the Rabbitohs just have a little bit more at the moment. <laughs> Shout out Mars Edmund. Yeah, I'm going to go the Bunnies as well. All right, uh, the Saturday afternoon game at 3 p.m. It's from Morton Daly Stadium in Redcliffe. It is the Warriors and the Raiders. Warriors, uh, after that 60-point loss, they also have some bad news with Josh Curran and Dallin Whiteney Zalesniak out injured, while the Raiders are welcoming back Elliot Whitehead. So, Kieran, who's going to win that one and why? I've got, um, despite the vast experience of some of the Raiders players, um, I think they're playing with almost zero maturity or experience. Uh, and despite all that, I nearly tip them. Uh, but I think the Warriors' spine is a fair way better than the Raiders, and I'm a fan of the, the Warriors' forward rotation. Uh, I think if the Warriors stay disciplined in this one, they'll win. 
Interesting. Friendy, how do you see this one going? The Warriors to bounce back from a big 60-point shellacking and beat the Raiders by it, two. It, <laughs> so a 62-point turnaround, one of the biggest in history probably. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chris, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I think probably Ricky Stewart's probably humiliated his players enough this week. I think the Raiders <laughs> will get a win, I reckon. Yeah, I'm going to join you in that one, Chris, I think. The, the Raiders for me too. Uh, the next Saturday afternoon game is the Bulldogs and the Roosters. It's from Accor Stadium at 5.30 p.m. Jack, Josh Jackson is COVID, while other former COVID patients are returning for the Bulldogs. Uh, for the Roosters, Kevin Nagama replaces the suspended Daniel Tupo, as we mentioned earlier, he is out. So, Chris, who will win and why? Uh, I've got the Roosters. Uh, Bulldogs just need a... They still got the same issues as last year. They just they play like a fifty minute game, and they just they just as soon as something goes against them, they just fall uh, to shit pretty much. Roosters are have been underwhelming as well, but they really should get the win against the Bulldogs. I think they'll do it quite easily as well. Yeah, the Roosters they need to pick up their form soon. I think. Well, it's seven rounds into the season, but I, I do think they need to get a bit going a bit with their form. Yeah, I'll be tipping the Roosters here. Um, I think they'll be bouncing back and hopefully find some attacking um, sort of structure and a bit more consistency in that area. Luke Kiriswam has been uh, affecting the way they've been playing a little bit, the Roosters. Hopefully he clicks shortly. Yeah, I think um, Victor Radley and James Tedesco has really affected them. Mm. I I think they're playing poorly, both of them, really poorly. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. Yeah, fingers crossed for them. I, I wouldn't. I would not be shocked with the Bulldogs getting a win, especially uh, as you often say, Friendy uh, Josh Jackson, not the best distributor in the middle. Uh, he's out with COVID. Uh, who knows? They might. They might get somebody that can use the ball a bit better, and more uh, well, time will tell, I guess. Uh, the next game is from Darwin. The the up top it is at seven o five p.m. It's between the Eels and the Cowboys. Uh, both teams are one to seventeen, which means that the Eels are persisting with. Dylan Brown at centre, curiously. Friendy, who will win this one and why? Yeah, despite Brad Arthur just using complete nepotism and picking his own son over basically one of the form halves in the competition, um, I will be tipping Parramatta, but I do give the Cowboys a real chance. If the Cowboys can start well, um, Parramatta don't always chase points that well, so I think that first 20 minutes is crucial, but Parramatta for me. Yeah, it's the clearest from Wish, um, the Arthurs, (laughs) but yeah, (laughs) I agree with Friendy. Having Brown at centre and Jacob Arthur at part eight is you know, fucking ridiculous, to be honest. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be a good test for the Cowboys. I'm still going to go the Eels, but I think it'll be really close, to be honest. I reckon maybe um, under six. Uh, I think I've, I've correctly tipped the Cowboys nearly every game they've won, but uh, I'm going to tip the Eels, which... Hopefully, it still means we're in with a chance, but yeah, I'm going to have to say Eels. I think I'm going to go for the Eels as well, but I, I would not discount the fact that this is kind of more like a home game for the Cowboys in terms of conditions, uh, being up in Darwin uh, compared to, say, Sydney. So, uh, I, I, you know, Saturday night, a bit dewy. It could play at the Cowboys' advantage, and the Eels have been a bit patchy. Uh, no, nah, fuck it. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. That's it. I'm going I'm to back them in. Why not? It's close enough to tip. I'll do it. Uh, Sunday afternoon, we've got the Knights and the Storm from McDonald Jones Stadium. Dane Gagai is out for- Next game. Sorry? Next game. <laughs> oh, sorry. I, I thought you were correcting me for a second. <laughs> I just move on. Don't talk about it. 
<laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. I'm, I'm going to have to just very briefly, we can keep it short if we want to. Uh, Dan Gagai is out for about a month with a fractured cheekbone. The Knights have replaced him with Simi Sasagi. Uh, the Storm are hoping that Remus Smith recovers from concussion in time to play. If not, I would say Marion Seve would be his replacement. Kieran, who's going to win this one and why? I think we know Friendy's thoughts on this one, but what are your thoughts? Um, the Storm, uh, I think they're a class above at the moment. And uh, I remember the other day how Bellamy said last year was probably the most upset that he's been with the way the Melbourne Storm have ended their season after losing to Penrith. Uh, they equaled the most wins throughout the season record last year. Uh, and I think they're, they've got a real main contender in the Panthers now, um, probably for the foreseeable future. And I think they want to continually show the Panthers that they're not going anywhere, anywhere with a, another big performance against the Knights. Yeah, the Storm. I think the Knights, they really need to show something in this game. I agree with, to echo um, Brindy's sentiments earlier. I, I, I don't think they're a chance of winning, but the forward pack really needs to show something. Um, especially the Saifidi brothers being disappointing. And, you know, I'm all happy to bag Caelan Ponga, but he can't do much if the forward packs get smashed. So um, I think the Storm by a lot, unfortunately. Friend, are you happy for me to, <laughs> to skip past you or uh, do you have anything to add to that? Oh, I think Melbourne will win by the same amount of people in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> well, being McDonald's Jones Stadium, it might be twenty five thousand, judging by last week. Uh, so that could be uh, that could be that could be a tough afternoon. I too, I'm going to go for the Storm, not by quite that many, but by plenty. And the last game this week is the Dragons and Tigers. It is from Wynn Stadium in Wollongong at four oh five p.m. Jaden Suar has syndesmosis, so he might be out for a little while, but Jack Bird has been named despite his injury. And the Tigers have lost Dane Laurie to an MCL injury, and Stafford Torr will fill in at fullback for him. Chris, uh, who do you like for this one and why? It could, it could well be one of the games of the round, actually. Yeah, this is a hard one to tip, to be honest. Um, the two kind of unexpected teams that have had a little bit of form recently. Dan Laurie is a really big out. He's been he had quite a poor start to the season, but the last two games he's been quite good. Uh, it's a hard decision, but I'm going to go to Tigers, which I think they've they've slightly convinced me that they should get over the line, but I, I'm not confident at all, to be honest. I'll be tipping the Dragons, but only just. Um, I think this will be really close, and yeah, they're actually they're both in a bit of form. Just quickly, I saw Jackson Hastings uh, in the last two games has had 96 touches of the ball and the next most from any other player um, was a few of the halves like Nico Hines and and Ben Hunt and um, they only had about 50 or 60 touches so Jackson Hastings with his hands on the ball good thing for the Tigers. That's a huge number. Do they they not count dummy halves for that number? They they must do, right? um, Yeah, no, no. It's just like uh, first receiver ball or later yeah Yeah. okay cool yeah i was just like how is jacob little not (laughs) like come on he must be talking more than 96 times what a bludger um (laughs) kieran who do you like in this one uh i think i'm going to go with the tigers off the back of that jackson hastings stats and the the influence he's had on the tigers the last few weeks i'm gonna go for the tigers as well uh a good point with jackson hastings friendy and i just it's just the feel-good story at the moment with the Tigers. You know, like, I, I could take or leave the Dragons doing well, but the Tigers, I, I really, really, I really want to see them in the top eight sometime soon. It might not happen this year, um, but, you Me know. Me too, Bo. It's been a decade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been a while, and even though you guys beat us in our first grand final appearance, I still I still have a soft spot for the Tigers, especially. Uh, I love an underdog. 
all right, let's go some bold predictions. Maybe you want to go for an underdog in, in one of these. Uh, my bold prediction is that the Storm, sorry, Friendy, uh, will score 50 plus points for the second week in a row. So a tough outing for the Knights, if I am correct. Friendy, uh, do you want to have a go at the Eels by a thousand over the Cowboys or a different bowl prediction? <laughs> no, no, I'll, I'll stay away from that sort of stuff. I've got no leg to stand on at the moment with my Knights. Uh, so I've gone the Sharks to win by 24 or more. Sharks to win by 24 or more against the Broncos at the Broncos home ground. That would be quite a shock to the home fans. Kieran, what's your bowl prediction? So despite the blowouts that we're predicting about the Storm and um, the Sharks, I'm still going to say that the Titans, Broncos and Cowboys total, total points combined will be more than the Panthers and Storm combined. The Titans, Broncos and Cowboys combined more than the, the Panthers and Storm combined. And Storm, yeah. And just for reference, um, the Cowboys, Broncos and Titans combined last weekend scored less than the Storm alone. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it especially bold. <laughs> especially yeah. bold. I, I like it though. Go in hard, go in hard. And Chris, how hard did you go? All right, I've got a particularly negative one. But okay, Jacob Arthur is going to have no line breaks, no line break assists, no try assists, <laughs> tackle completion under 80%, and that leaves two errors. <laughs> You'll probably get the McDonald's $5 voucher at the end of the day, too, from your dad. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I kind of want to end the episode there. Do you, do you guys have any shout-outs? Uh, I was going to shout-out Owen um, for doing great things with you, Bo. We caught, caught a bus from uh, our house in Green or Mum and Dad's house in Greenslopes to, to Milton, which is, uh, for people who don't live in Brisbane, about a 30-minute trip. Um, it's been travel training with Bo, so shout-out to Bo as well for the two, two uh, working together. And Owen's uh, becoming a lot more independent now. It's good to see. Yeah, he got there all by himself. It's a, it's a bus and a train. And then a big walk. So he's done really well. Yeah, shout out to McDonald's for providing all the gift vouchers to the junior footy players. <laughs> <laughs> Including Jacob Arthur. <laughs> Two quick ones. Uh, similar to Vans last week. Shout out Aaron Mullen, big listener. Uh, second <laughs> one is uh, Paddy Mills, Australian icon. They go unfortunately, together. <laughs> unfortunately, he got swept by the Boston Celtics. Also, shout out to Ben Simmons. Committed absolute highway <laughs> robbery, just collecting a bag all year and not going to work. Very impressive. <laughs> I was also going to shout out Owen, so I just want to say because uh, Owen he, he was twisting my arm. He's like, "You got to, you got to mention me." He calls it a, a podcast, so yeah. you, you got to mention me on the podcast, Bo. And I'm like, "Okay, Owen, I will mention you on the podcast." And it's happening right now. But yes, uh, I want to echo that phenomenal stuff, legend. Well done, mate. <laughs> Good work, Owen. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.